0: We're live, Georgie Dinkov. How, why does it feel like it's been so long since we've chatted?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess time has slowed down. Uh, or now, considering
0: the prospects of nuclear war, <laughs> yeah, that uh, time, time tends to slow down. That has, such situations. that has really thrown me for a loop because I thought it was just a diversion, but clearly, there's more to it. I fully don't understand it. I, so. I
1: just don't think what, what the elite really has left is options. I mean, clearly, the, the COVID thing is falling apart. They're gonna to try to pull off that trick, probably with the new AIDS. Uh, I'm sorry, the new HIV variant that they said they discovered. It's like so much more contagious. And I'm thinking, how are they going to convince the public that this thing that they kept saying can only be, uh, you know, given? Uh, can, you can only catch it by having sex or like blood transfusion or using dirty needles. How is it suddenly gonna become a, a health pandemic unless you, you know, come and tell people that it's now airborne or basically you, you can you can get a. Um, uh, you can catch it through aerosol or like touching people and things and stuff like that um and it's also the perfect cover for if the vaccines are really causing uh immunosuppression chronic immunosuppression but anyways uh it, it's just way too complicated I, and i think they know people are not gonna buy it considering that even though the covid the sars-cov-2 was a legitimate virus there was a pandemic right i mean the not nearly as big as they was as they were trying to claim um, if the public, at least half of it, didn't buy even that, which was somewhat legit, right? They're not gonna go for like a you know, super infectious, uh, um, you know, airborne and and um, and basically contact transmissible virus. Um, so the only thing that remains is really a war. Um, I, I'm hoping that they're not that it's not gonna degenerate into World War III, uh, but if, uh, I, in you know, likelihood it will be like basically they'll destroy Ukraine. Um, and it will be enough of a diversion because it involves the European union, it involves Russia, it involves the United States. I think basically like this will be a sufficient excuse for the U S and uh, EU to say, oops, recession, war, blah, blah, blah. We need to print more, um, and then give more money to the rich.
0: So, but they're like self-destruct, like, uh, they're, they're dumping on the narrative. So they're saying the masks don't work. They're saying the they're. Casting all this doubt on what had happened, and then do you think they're also disparaging the vaccine as well? Have you seen anything that made you think that? I mean, if you
1: look at the mainstream media, uh, at least the stuff that's coming out of the White House, I don't think they're disparaging the masks. I mean, Wolensky, the CDC director, and and Saki, the the speak uh, the the press secretary for the White House, they're actually doubling down on the narrative, and and even DC recently, uh, was it today or yesterday? They said they actually tightened the restrictions uh, in regards to quarantine in schools used to be if like uh if, if a child tests positive then basically the the because the, they sit on tables of three or four people then all the children on that table will get tested but but just in case they'll get quarantined for three days right now they're saying if a child in a single class tests positive the entire class goes into quarantine test or no test so it's like it's um i mean uh, i i guess i don't really i don't really know what's going on but it looks like the central planning of it, trying to push the same narrative on everybody that has basically been dropped uh, and has been left to local authorities to see what they can get away with. (laughs) Clearly, D.C. being extremely liberal, uh, it will probably swallow up a lot more uh, crap than uh, than some other more conservative parts of the country.
0: It was that Asian chick from uh, World Economic Forum that was saying the masks were like a face decorative thing they were completely useless. So maybe Biden and that, uh, that red haired woman. Haven't said it, but they're, they were, she was on CNN saying they were completely useless. And so it just, so they're, they're nothing makes sense anymore, man. Well, I don't, I don't even, I think well, it's, it's called, <laughs> their own narrative is like their lies
1: are collapsing. And like in the new lies that are coming up with, they're also collapsing. But what I, so war seems to be like the, the the last resort, the last frontier.
0: But what I was getting at is if, if they're like uh, really uh, saying that vaccine and stuff, I wonder if they're moving towards this sparse uh, uh, pandemic thing. Have you ever looked, seen this? what's the sparse sparse is a johns hopkins uh like scenario that a virus broke out and they gave everybody a vaccine that caused vaccine injury i'm not making this up oh wow <laughs> this is uh it, you can like type are this. you serious yeah it's, so it's a, like a dry run or something yeah yeah spar okay um can you uh that's, oh, the center wow. sparse pandemic um just a minute compromise a futuristic scenario that illustrates communication dilemma concerning medical compromisors um just a minute, let me get to the the actual relevant stuff Okay,
1: vaccine I, injury. I don't think you can you can plan for that well, because if there's a vaccine injury as a result of a public
0: inoculation campaign, that country is finished. Well, okay, as time passed and more people across the United States were vaccinated, claims of adverse side effects began to emerge. Several <laughs> pa- uh, parents claimed that their children were experiencing neurological symptoms dot dot dot. That month, a group of parents whose children developed mental retardation as a result of the encephalitis in the wake of uh, Corovax vac- uh, vaccination. So this was in 2017, like, uh, anyways, I, so who, who knows I'm, what's going to happen? I'm but shocked
1: that they use the term mental retardation. This, this is so politically incorrect. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, the most the R word. I thought it was being banned long ago, but apparently not. They're allowed to use it. That's
0: still not. square in my vocabulary. <laughs> okay. But, uh, it, so anyways, I have, I have no idea what's gonna happen in the future, but the narrative changing so fast, uh, I thought vaccines were key to the future they'd want to build. Like they were the foundation of the digital identification, the CBD seeds, and so that's why I thought they would never say anything harmful about them. But maybe they have the the public so confused that they could literally do anything they want. They could say, "Oh, that one was toxic." There's a new one, and yeah. it's better, and people would believe them because they're they're so uh, so out to lunch. It d- just wouldn't matter.
1: I think we also have to keep in mind that that not every not everything can be planned, even by the elite with its unlimited resources. Okay. Uh, You never know how the public is going to react. So, I mean, what they can count on is that now they know two-thirds of people are basically so deranged that you can probably get away uh, with getting on national TV and telling them that UFO landed at the White House and had basically donuts with Biden, and then they left. And, and two thirds will swallow it. They will basically say, "Yep, yep, we saw it. They will not claim this; they, they saw it."
0: <laughs> that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> um,
1: but as far as like specifics, planning on like exactly how things will unfold at the national level, there's no that le- there is no such level of control um, in terms of how how the public will adopt or like reject a certain idea. Sure, they have a lot of polls. They know to limit you know, to a certain degree, basically how the public should react, right? Uh and I'm sure they do a lot of these. Uh they, they probably monitor sentiments through Facebook because what is, what good is Facebook for if not for spying on everyone who has an account there. Uh and with their Google trends. So um they probably have like a decent idea what the current mood of the public is, but Again, past performance doesn't indicate future results. So just because you kind of know how people are feeling right now, um, there's there really is no guarantee uh, if you build a strategy based on that. Because over time you notice know, certain correlations, right? People will like go for that, but won't go for something else. Yeah, but it's not it's not a guarantee. Context is different every single time, and that's what the AI model can never take into account, unless you. Trace basically is a nightmare because I spent some time in that industry, and uh, we just there's no there's not enough electrical and computational resources um, in this galaxy to train a, a model that uh, like that to basically be continuously updatable and and simulate truly simulate uh, human consciousness. You just can't do that. Um, anyway, so. Um, I don't know what's going on, but but the fact that we like six months ago we were talking about if everything else fails we'll probably go for war. Yeah, right? you, you, you called it, that, You that? called Ray, it.
0: You said something like that. You one hundred percent called it. I, re, I specifically remember that episode where you're saying you were saying the war was the most uh, likely thing. Guys, the stream is cutting out a little bit. Um, I, I had it a h- higher bandwidth, uh, but I I turned it down. So I was Georgie was becoming a little bit choppy for me too. So uh so let's hope that's just uh,
1: but but now on my end i'm getting the the video is a little bit blurry or is that okay
0: i don't care how i see it as long as people are seeing it in good quality yeah yeah we're i think we're good now um but yeah uh what else was i going to ask you um russia stuff vaccine stuff um shit i had one other thing i wanted to talk to you about i can't remember um Okay, we'll just move on then. You we launched the nail stuff. The yeah. Nail yeah. Here in well, House. I want to talk about that. I have one other cultural thing. And what what is okay, what is uh food shortages and stuff? Are you noticing anything like that where you are?
1: Yeah, there's basically almost no dairy in the local Whole Foods. Several of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um now I I'm a great uh fan of the Tiramisu cake. Uh, <laughs> that one has been gone <laughs> from Whole Foods, from Giant, from Safeway. From like um, from shoppers from Kroger, <laughs> you name you name a grocery store chain, and basically they're out of soup. <laughs> and actually, apparently, in terms of cost to the to the to the vendor, it, it's it's actually a fairly high cost item. In other words, the margin isn't that big. So um, you. Know, if it's something that's expensive for them to source and or produce, if they're even producing anything anymore, um, that's probably one of the first things that's going to suffer from a supply shortage or gets dropped altogether. Now, of course, uh, all the other cheaper replacement products, they're in abundance. Uh, you go to the dairy aisle, like I said, uh, basically used to be an entire wall of about, um, you know, a length of about 15 to 20 feet, maybe even more. Um, and it was all basically like, so they have a separate... <laughs> there's like a separate wall for for regular milk, and then there's another wall for yogurt and and other dairy products uh, like cottage cheese uh, and all of these uh, Greek yogurts, regular yogurts, etc., etc. Now the the now the uh, smaller wall about uh, with regular milk is still there, but just the variety and the number of brands have declined drastically. So basically, Whole Foods now that wall has only the Whole Foods brand and maybe Organic Valley and maybe one more. But I mean on a on a on an average day like if you flip a coin and you walk into that store basically the highest likelihood you're gonna see the the 365 the Whole Foods brand and the Organic Valley and it'll be nothing else uh, so we so basically the regular milk went from having maybe 12 different brands most of them organic down to two wow. um, on, a, on a daily basis and then and then in the in the yogurt aisle uh, most of the time there is nothing there except the whole yogurt everybody's buying the fat free or the you know lower fat percentage so whole yogurt you can still find uh so whole plain yogurt is basically is the only thing that that remains on a weekday you know basically if you walk into the store uh, several days after they've replenished in other words the crowd the vultures as i call them they had a chance to like uh, descend and and buy up everything Then you basically you're looking at maybe two or three brands, all of them plain, all of them whole yogurt, um, and basically, um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. If you like vanilla, like strawberry, like any of these things, then now the majority of that six to I'm sorry, uh, fifteen to twenty feet long wall with the refrigerator in it uh, has been replaced about eighty percent of it with basically stuff that looks very much uh, like the 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 products that they that used to be there. But now it's basically, it's it's entirely plant-based, mostly cashews, coconuts, um, what else? Almond, almond milk, oat milk, oat milk yogurt, almond milk, all this. And I don't even know how they make it because <laughs> clearly there's no milk there, right? And it's dairy-free yogurt, which to me is a contradiction of terms. Uh, I mean, this is the, the word yogurt. It's like saying dairy-free cheese. Of course, they have that, right? The vegan yeah. cheese. Um, so little by little, basically, the... Um, the animal-sourced uh, products portion of the store—it's uh, clear—it has clearly dwindled by a lot, uh, maybe about 80% on average. And whatever remains is not always there. Uh, and the plants stuff is always there. And it's—it's uh, it's actually obvious that the people are not buying it mm-hmm. because those shelves are always full. But as they usually say, as perverted as it sounds and perverse. Uh, these these companies monitor what you do, and basically the products that you like and you buy, they actually run a shortage on them. Uh, so later on, they can maybe you know reintroduce them a little bit. They always make keep them as a shortage because they say, oh, it's popular. Hmm. You just told us what you like, so guess what? We will have this very rarely and at an exorbitant price. The rest of the time, pleb, you can eat that crap right here. that. that Coagulates and <laughs> while it's still in your mouth, and you can't even swallow it.
0: <laughs> As the tiramisu has gone down, has your a, a, a generalized aggression level gone up in, <laughs> in compensation? <laughs> My, I used to be more aggressive. Now it's basically it's it's kind
1: of sad to a degree because, um, you know, I really don't know what. I mean, I think we've kind of mentioned this before. I don't know what what Gen X. Uh, G, I'm sorry, Millennials are already screwed. They know they're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the the elected Biden, they, they hope he's going to give him like a, a ton of free money. They, he's going to make them middle class or at least uh, give him a chance at the American dream. None of that has materialized. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Right. Uh, Gen Z is even worse health wise. Uh, so, so millennials are wrecked health wise. Um, I, I told you several times I see this big line in front of the local uh, primary care clinic That line has now gone around the block. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I used to think it's homeless people. It's not. Basically, it's young professionals, uh, almost exclusively millennials. Mm -hmm. Uh, Studies keep coming out saying that now they're saying that, um, um, what is it, Uh, 41% of Americans um, since the pandemic began um, have basically uh, been either officially diagnosed or meet the diagnostic criteria of major depression. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's half the country. Half the country. Um, so, um, with with Gen Z, it's, it, apparently the situation is even worse. It's like two thirds. I'm sorry, uh, 75%, three quarters. So, 70, 75% of Gen Z is severely mentally ill. Now, uh, a boomer will say, well, of course, <laughs> duh. But it's not as simple as that. I, I don't mean like the condescending, you know, all the youngsters, you know, they're no good, good for nothing. Um, it's more like these people don't have the metabolic resources to actually do much with their lives and, and combining that with the lack of opportunity um it's really no surprise looking at the suicide rates and 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 uh, drug abuse rates and uh and really, the mental health rates, because to me, these people are essentially drug addicts because that's what. See, the the drug dealers and the pharmaceutical industry are competitors. <laughs> that's why they don't like each other. Yeah. They both sell the same, very similar products, <laughs> um, and 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 they're vying for the same clients. And basically, uh, the majority of the of that uh, of those potential clients have already been, uh, uh, basically, have already been uh, appropriated. They're either on the pharmaceutical side or, or they're on the local drug dealer side, but there aren't that many uh, <laughs> free clients to win over. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, war or not, um, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the news, now recession has set in again um, uh, in most of the western slash developed countries, and basically the, the uh, I, I would despite the, so when you look, when you read New York Times or CNN or the Washington Post, and they have like a you know, a uh, uh, glossy article with with um, a striking title. It's usually the opposite of what the article says. <laughs> so the all three of them ran a headline recently saying that uh, the pandemic and the subsequent economic recovery was a glowing confirmation of the so-called modern monetary theory. The way you should read this, it was an abysmal failure uh, because it says that you can print money out of thin air uh, for as long as much as you want, as long as you control your currency, and there will be no consequences. Um, and then when you know they were trying when there's a, this famous lady that is the biggest proponent of um, uh, modern monetary theory. And then uh, I don't know if you saw there was another article about how now they're starting to criticize it because it's clear that mon- modern monetary theory has failed. And guess what? The response of the of the Wall crowd was um, <laughs> oh, this is sexist. You can't oh, yeah, criticize <laughs> MMT because it's sexist. Its main proponent is a woman probably soon to identify as transgender, <laughs> uh, mentally ill, or whatever else <laughs> you, you can imagine. But uh, uh, the, the critiques, the, uh, the, the the people who were critiquing her, uh, yes, they were mostly males, uh, but there were quite a few uh, female economic professors too. Uh, their critiques were never mentioned by the mainstream media, um, and, uh, and the whole argument was framed as if basically, um, you know, um, um, aging white males of declining economic and professional prospects uh, or academic, or, or academic right there were there are usually professors of economics in the academia are attacking this young bright woman even though she's in thinking in her 60s um <laughs> because she's a woman and basically you cannot do that anymore you know like you can, you cannot attack even the theory because since she's she the main formulator of the theory indirectly you're attacking her so now they've basically it, they've, they've they've kind of made the argument that you cannot even criticize ideas because if, if ideas are so intimately tied to the person who, um, who proposed them first, basically attacking the ideas means means attacking the person. Uh, of course, they're perfectly allowed to do that to you, <laughs> but uh, that, that probably comes as no surprise.
0: Well, well, Anyways, well, I mean uh, – That's because white white men rule the world, right?
1: <laughs> uh, white men rule the world, just, just and then <laughs> basically anytime something happens to the world, minorities, women – and um and, and um what was the other third category whatever category you can come up with that the walk is currently in love with they're basically shouldering most of the hardship right um despite the fact that the uh, uh, white males in the united states have the highest suicide rate of any group uh close to to doctors who by the way most of them are white aging males um and and i think like the, the, the uh middle-aged white males are the only ones whose mortality rate in middle age uh drastically skyrocketed I think we talked about this in one of the first podcasts back in 2016 and at the time they were saying the explanation was alcoholism drug abuse etc cetera, etc cetera. but these things don't come out of nowhere right it's usually because of lack of prospects and meaningful life uh, and it was the only group that had that everybody else was doing perfectly fine uh, I guess I guess now they will have company.
0: Yeah, before I get hate comments, I'm completely, completely joking. I don't think that group of people runs things. <laughs> okay, next <laughs> next topic. Um, uh, I remember what I was going to say. BlackRock, so that does combine into what we were just talking about. Um, do you know what, uh, we can skip, move on if you don't, but are you familiar with Aladdin, like their AI software that they use to buy up things and become incredibly wealthy?
1: I don't know, but I, I remember what was that company? Um, Redfin, I think mm-hmm. they tried to use AI to like uh, buy and sell properties. It failed abysmally. Just Google
0: it. Yeah, I there was a uh, apparently this was made a long time ago, and then they're working on a different thing com- called Monarch. But BlackRock is like intertwined with the whole uh, fake pandemic, and so, anyways, we can move on. Um, okay, let's talk about the the I go ahead. Guarantee they will fail over the long run. I mean, look. If all
1: these things were working, we wouldn't be in a situation where basically the world's governments are owned by these people and they're doing desperate shenanigans to give them just a little bit extra profit. If what? their algorithms were so good, there would be no need for all of this uh, stuff that we're going through right now. What? The reason we're going through this stuff right now is because they—they uh, they basically there's not enough profit, right? And when there's not enough profit, you can't repay your debts. Rich people still have debts. <laughs> um, co- corporations still have debts, right? So the way the way you do it right now is basically you start to cannibalize uh, the country and the population and the useless eaters, the people that basically they turn into useless eaters. And that's how you essentially increase your uh, – you decrease your debt-to-asset ratio by um, acquiring assets on the cheap. And where do you get these assets from? From useless eaters who are no longer – Alive. I mean, what do you kill them through vaccine or something else? It's uh, it's your pick. There are many ways. Uh, was it Brzezinski who said, "In the entire course of history, it was always easier to convince a million people than to kill a million people." Yeah. And over the last fifty or years, or so, he said fifty or hundred, I don't uh, know. It's being the other way around.
0: I I had I posted that quote somewhere. It's pretty chilling. Anyways, um, so Larry Fink, another another white male who unfortunately runs the world, but. Um, Okay, so let's talk about new Idea Lab service. <laughs> well, so that is up. Uh, we, we talked about that last time, and then now that is up and running. So what is that like?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it says hair and nail, but uh, we prefer the nail, specifically the toenail. Um, and uh, the reason is I have two quotes from from Ray. Basically, uh, nails, especially toenails, because they don't get exposed as much to the elements, so to speak. Um, you know, many people dye their hair, uh, they wash it with soap and or shampoo and put conditioner on it or pomade or God knows what else on a daily basis, right? And since hair is so thin and fragile and, and absorbs a lot, uh, basically you can um, um, affect the quantity um, of, of whatever the hair has stored because it's actually used to be living tissue and then it became dead cells, uh, mostly composed of keratin. Um, so, so toenails are much better be- because they mimic living tissue much more closely, and we actually kind of confirmed that through several res- results that we did for both Nair and Hale, the same person. Um, I mean, the, if there's a toxicity in a specific, um, uh, let's say, metal, like lead or, or aluminum, it tends to be uh, much higher in toenail than it is in hair uh, over the same time periods. Um, so uh, i don't know if that's that's good or bad but basically it seems to be more sensitive so the toenail means to be uh, 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 tends to be more sensitive so if you have a if you have a, a toxicity of some sort uh probably the more the more accurate value will be will be in the toenail or at least the magnitude of the problem um uh, will be will be more um you know accurately reflected in in the actual toenail but um, you know, nail grows very slowly, uh, especially toenails, about one millimeter per week, which is uh, let's see, two and a half millimeters is one tenth of an inch. So this is one, 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 uh, twentieth of an inch per week. So that's very slow, right? Not everybody has the patience to wait for I don't know, two uh, you know, month and a half, two months, to grow a you know big enough nail to actually send us. Um, and basically, hair grows faster. And most people already have a sufficient amount of hair, uh, and it doesn't have to be scalp hair. So it can be beard, right? It can be pubic hair. It can even be body hair from pretty much any 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 uh, place of the body. Um, and uh, it's you know you just take the sample. I have some videos on the website uh, explaining basically how to take a hair sample for a nail. It's pretty simple. W- once the nail grows to about two millimeters, which is a, you know slightly less than a tenth of an inch, you just clip one nail from each of the big toes, right? Put in a Ziploc bag, mail it to us, and then we do the analysis and we send you a PDF report. And that's the step one of, of two steps total. The second one will be uh, basically doing the same analysis, but for steroids. And I think that's the, that's the service that people will be very interested in because not only will we will try to do the, let's say, 10, 10 to 15 most popular steroids, uh, but also things like thyroid, T3 inside of the cell, Reverse T3 inside of the cell, and maybe even vitamin D, uh, which I think will be very, you know, very interesting because so far there aren't that many studies uh, that look at correlation between vitamin D in blood and vitamin D, um, you know, uh, inside of the cell, which is what the, the nail in the hair would be. Uh, so some some potential for surprises there too, you know. Uh, maybe you know we'll finally be able to pr- the, provide some hard evidence on that uh, vitamin D war. That will <laughs> placate the enemy, or maybe even enrage it even more. Who knows? Um, but I think the thyroid uh, part will be very important because uh, basically, if um, I, I know quite a few people who say, "Look, my T3 results in in the serum are normal. Um, my reverse T3 results in the serum are normal, right? But TSH is basically you know closer to four or five, right? Um, and and my and I have symptoms of hypothyroidism." But if, if my you know T3, total T3, is normal or close to the upper limit, there's no way in hell the doctor is going to prescribe me T3, right? But if we show that the, the amount of T3 inside of the cell is actually low, you cannot be hyperthyroid with low thyroid levels in the cell. Uh, same thing with the steroids, right? I'm hoping that we'll be able to show that menopause, despite being a condition of low estradiol in the blood, if we show that estradiol in the cell is normal or even high, uh, that, to me, ends any argument that menopause is a condition of uh, estrogen deficiency. Or even if estrogen is, is within limits or even lower, but if we show that progesterone is also very low, and then the ratio of progesterone to estrogen is less than 10, then it is still in a condition of relative estrogen levels, which even mainstream medicine recognizes. Uh, basically, they, they're also aware of the ratios. Of, of an agonist-antagonist, and they do agree that progesterone and estrogen needs to be in a, need to be in a certain ratio for optimal health. Uh, so far, they've been claiming it's only important for reproductive health, but lately I've been seeing some uh, studies in JAMA and uh, New England Journal of Medicine and the British Medical Journal saying that that ratio needs to be maintained throughout the uh, uh, entire lifetime of the woman because it really turns out to affect uh, not just uh, reproductive health, but uh, systemic health as well. Uh, basically, the the risk of cancer, of pretty much any cancer, any non-endocrine cancer, of course, by now we know that there's no such thing, but mainstream med- medicine claims there is, specifically melanoma, um, turns out to be extremely sensitive to the ratio of uh, progesterone to estradiol. And if that ratio drops below 10, basically the risk starts rising dramatically in women uh, for developing uh, melanoma. Another thing that hopefully we'll be able to, to dispel another myth is that uh, DHT causes prostate cancer. Uh, we'll do the you know the test. There's already some evidence. I, I don't know if you, if you've seen it. I think we'll discuss one of those links tonight. Basically, the intra intraprostate levels of androgens are are indetectable in the majority of the cancer prostate cancer patients tested in that specific study, right? It's very hard to argue that prostate cancer is driven by androgens when there is virtually none left in the prostate. Uh, and by the way, those were in untreated patients. Now add the 5-alpha reductase blockers, add the, the uh, anti-androgens like flutamide, right, the the androgen the receptor blockers, and you're basically getting essentially a, a fully castrated, chemically castrated male. And still, these people get the prostate cancer. It doesn't stop growing and turns into the so-called castration-resistant prostate cancer, which is usually lethal. Um, so if we show that basically... Um, intracellular dht levels are strongly inversely correlated with prostate cancer and the grade of that prostate cancer they have a scale of one to ten how aggressive it is right um then uh, to me again that ends the argument that that prostate cancer is a is a state of relative androgen excess uh, because basically if the if the systemic level of androgens is low um and then prostate cancer develops very hard to make the argument and now we have also the evidence that inside the prostate the enzymes are also low actually undetectable and that person develops prostate cancer and it correlates with the with the aggressiveness of the prostate cancer well i guess you can argue forever but at some point it starts to become ludicrous
0: and uh, people move on yeah backing up a little bit what's i understand the nails why do the hair if it's just uh inaccurate
1: Oh, because uh, when you wash your hair and because the individual hairs are so thin and they actually they absorb when you put water on them, they swell. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, when you wash with soap or any kind of other detergent kind of liquid, right, it's going to wash portions. Basically, it's going to, uh, you know, extract or wash away some of the minerals that are that are in the hair. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not so much with steroids, but even with steroids. Uh, So, you want something that has not been chemically processed, mm. and for most people, you process, you chemically process your scalp hair on a daily basis. For most people, uh, it's uh, that's one of the reasons why I think uh, Ray said in that quote further down below that toenails are, uh, in general, uh, are better, specifically the big toe, the big toenails, because they're not not as exposed to the elements as 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 the nails. I'm sorry, as the hair, and also the hair gets a lot more processing. Um, you know. Um, Uh, than than nails do. Now, maybe in females that's not uh, always the case, but I think even when it comes to nails, basically the toenails are usually kind of like more left alone uh, compared to the fingernails and the hair. Um, So we'll see. I mean, it's a very new service. So far, we we are kind of confirming Ray's statement that the toenail, especially the big toenail, is a more sensitive method for determining um, mineral concentrations, especially heavy metal toxicities, um, and let's the next step, which is already in progress, is to basically analyze um, the presence, that quantify the uh, a, a ten or fifteen different steroids. Most of the ones listed, if you type steroid uh, steroidogenesis cascade in Google and go to Google Images, it'll give you it these graphs of like that basically start with cholesterol and uh, and give you like maybe I don't know about twelve steroids um and then we'll, we'll, we'll try to have a test for most of those steroids um and then in addition to the to these steroids not all of them are, are, are gonadal steroids some of them are um uh, like aldosterone and cortisol right uh basically we'll try to try to test the pre- pregnenolone progesterone and dha which are adrenal um and then thyroid i think that, so i think the combination of the of the gonadosteroids, the, the cortisol and aldosterone, which we know are anti-metabolic, and then basically the level of active thyroid hormone T3 inside of the cell. I think the the, combina- the combination of all these three things will give us a fairly good idea of basically where a person stands metabolically. And then the minerals, even though we released it first because it's a, it was easier to develop as a service, the minerals come in, in my opinion, as a second step to kind of validate the results as well. So if you're a hypothyroid, um, or if you have a, if you have, if you're hypothyroid, you expect to see basically elevated cortisol, potentially aldosterone, low levels of the protective steroids, pregenital progesterone, DHEA, potentially high estradiol, right? Uh, low levels of T3. And on the middle side, you will probably see high intracellular levels of calcium and low intracellular levels of magnesium because the retention of magnesium depends on ATP, which depends, of course, on the metabolic rate. Um so that's the expectation. We'll see how it goes, but the results we have so far from the mineral analysis uh, kind of tend to confirm this. I mean, the people that uh, whose results came back with really low magnesium, some of them went to the to the doctor and asked for a panel for thyroid and steroids, and things came back dysregulated. Um, yeah, I think all of them who had low magnesium came back with with uh, either uh, with basically subclinical hypothyroid. TSH was out of whack. The thyroid hormones were not. And that's why I think it would be important to test them inside of the cell as well. But TSH was invariably elevated uh for in all the people so far that with low magnesium who did blood tests as well.
0: I'm yet to be convinced that any other tests besides the blood tests are useful, but you can change my mind. <laughs> I feel why? Like, be, like I I've, I see those tests, and I just see, seem like they're like the hair tests and stuff, they just seem like completely useless. Like uh especially so if a person is uh has hypothyroidism or something it just it seems like they have like a non-correlation to anything like uh like if the if hair test has high calcium do you think that means a yeah. high intracellular level of calcium
1: yeah i mean look these are this is tissue so mm-hmm. it came and, and there are multiple studies that show that actually uh like a perfect correlation between uh hair uh levels of steroids cor- especially cortisol and uh, it's a very just, new just, area of research. Just, just to be clear, not I'm,
0: many studies on it. I, I'm very interested in the steroids. I'm I'm doubting the usefulness of the mineral stuff. Like, uh, and so again, you could change my. Oh, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So okay, so yes, so the minerals. That's why I said to me, the minerals comes uh, on uh, at second place. Mm-hmm. I, I think the steroids are more important because they're more directly indicative of metabolic health. Uh, but some things on the on the mineral side are also uh, also shouldn't be ignored. For example. If you have lead toxicity or aluminum toxicity or cadmium toxicity um, or arsenic toxicity, um, many of your pro-metabolic attempts may not work. And you'll be scratching your head saying, beating your head against those say like, what the hell? I'm doing everything right, but it's just not getting better, right? Um, so so you, if, let's say if you get lead toxicity, one of the best things to display lead other than chelation, which is dangerous, right, is to eat a lot of calcium, right? Uh, but you need to know that, right? And we actually already had two cases of of lead. There was an order of magnitude higher than the upper range. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's very, very worrying, right? And that's something that can uh, really like uh, like demoralize the person tremendously and their doctor too, because they're trying all these different things. They have this these bizarre symptoms, and nobody um you know can diagnose why because the vast majority of doctors, they will not even think of heavy metal toxicity unless you, are at risk, right? You'll be working with lead or like you've been around the But we're also now finding some toxicities in people based on where they live, which country. Um, and basically, if you look at some of the published literature, it kind of matches what people have found. Some, some uh, you know, the tap water in some countries is actually not very good quality. Um, you know, uh, in, in countries where people, where people eat a lot of rice, there tends to be quite a bit of arsenic toxicity. Again, something that I think Pete mentioned. Um, so, so things like that. So, again, uh, it's not meant to diagnose, and actually that's part of the disclaimer, right, both on the PDF with the results and in the legal disclaimer. It's not meant to diagnose anything. And conversely, if the results are normal, doesn't mean everything's fine. Uh, but some things stand out. If you have low magnesium in nail and or hair, In general, it means you have problems with retaining magnesium. Now, some of it could be due to dietary deficiencies, right? Many people, if not most, they do not consume a sufficient amount of magnesium, right? Uh, But then you can use the service. Let's say if you want to supplement magnesium or eat foods high in magnesium, let's say after a couple of months you're testing and things have not improved, well, then the only other option is that you're not retaining it. Um, and then, if you're not retaining it, then thyroid needs to be addressed because that's really the only way to to address that 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 particular issue. Um, so I agree with Pete that, that on its own, unless you have severe toxicity, which I think he said one of his quotes. Um, the it, it, I don't believe in the Dr. Wilson metabolic types. I don't believe in the anesthesiology books, which is <laughs> what another friend of ours said, who loves those results and probably meant. Million, uh, made millions recommending them to people, um, but uh, uh, we're look we're we're releasing this as a supplemental um, uh, piece of information to the steroid analysis, which is in the works. Now maybe I should have waited, but people kept sending me emails saying like, "Hey, look, if it's ready, I kind of want to do it." Some people already have a doctor who be, who believes in that stuff and wants these results, and then. You know, if people like their doctor and they want to continue working with a doctor based on mineral analysis, hey, who am I to say don't do that? Right? Um, try to stay out of the uh, of the advice unless it's it unless it's going to do something that will hurt them. Uh, and this, I don't think it will. Un- so the dangerous part here is if 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 the results come back with some kind of a severe toxicity, most practitioners immediately jump on chelation. Um, I will say personal opinion, but supported by evidence, chelation. For most people, is very, very dangerous. Um, basically, the, the chelators themselves, even the medically, actually, especially the ones that are approved, uh, um, uh, uh, desfer- I think it's the, the ones that are approved medically. D- d- the most famous one is desferoxamine, which is a chelator for iron. Uh, I mean, that thing alone has extreme um, uh, side effects. Uh, kidney toxicity, liver toxicity, spleen toxicity, brain, basically like a, a accumulation of iron in the brain, uh, there are a number of different. Uh, oh, this is the uh, capsule succinic acid.
0: Yeah, I think this one's pretty h- harmful, despite what it says here. And,
1: That's uh, also pretty harmful. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, if the practitioner immediately jumps on chelation, I would question that practitioner because things are usually fixable through changing the diet in a much safer manner than using a chelator. Um, and for some things, actually, you don't even need to use a chelator. If you have high iron, well. Limit intake of iron and increase intake of things that displace iron, uh, increase uh, the consumption of zinc and copper, increase consumption of milk, which contains something called lactoferrin, a protein that can directly bind and remove iron, uh, Increase consum- uh, take some aspirin, which can actually inhibit the absorption of iron. Um, be mindful of taking iron with vitamin C because they help each other's absorption, things like that. Um, so it's not that difficult. you just have to pay attention and uh, choose the things that are least dangerous. Most uh, practitioners um, either work with somebody who is selling something that can potentially that is advertised to fix that problem, or they themselves believe that the best way is through immediately jump in on so it's, it's the equivalent of a doctor basically they, or they may be, they may themselves be a doctor. Uh, and the current uh, favorite uh, way of practicing medicine is be a drug dealer. Uh, give somebody a pill and send them on their way.
0: Yeah, good stuff. And then last question: So, how if somebody does want this, how do they get it?
1: Uh, well, if they're in the if they're in the Western Hemisphere, mm-hmm. um, which means mostly South and uh, West America, right? They, they 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 can send me their clippings or their hair sample in a regular letter because it's so the sample is so tiny can actually pass like uh, as, 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 a, as a regular document. Just wrap it in a piece of paper, put it on an envelope, and, and mail it to us here in the United States. Um, if people are in the Eastern Hemisphere, then, then basically I give them an address in Bulgaria, and then mail it directly there. Uh, and then the lab, I mean, it's not really a lab, it's the research group that I have. We've bought some equipment, and they do the analysis, and then uh, they'll give me the PDF, and I'll send it to the uh, final client. Uh, I emphasize, we do not, Provide consulting services. Don't send the samples and then say, oh, my God, things are out of whack. You have to save me. I won't. Um, and in all likelihood, you don't need to be saved <laughs> because since nail represents the, the past three months, I'm sorry, not the past, but like what what, what the average levels were three months ago, right? If you survive another three months and nothing bad happened, chances are the situation is, is not as bad as it looks on the results. Um, But, you know, uh, it can be informative. Like I said, we already had several people with really high lead and aluminum levels. And now they're taking measures uh, to basically lower them the dietary way, trying to displace aluminum with magnesium, trying to displace lead by eating a lot of calcium. And it seems to be working. Uh, And they're feeling better, right? Uh, That kind of stuff. But most of these things are relatively obvious. And they're published on the forum. There's a lot of threads about this on the forum. Um, and there are a lot of quotes and emails from from uh, from Pete about this as well. Um, so there's nothing for us to analyze. And by the way, we're legally prohibited from doing that because we're the ones doing the the analysis, and none of us is a doctor. Um, so most of the companies that do the HTMA, the hair analysis, right, hair hair mineral trace analysis, they usually have some kind of a locally licensed medical practitioner. Um, that basically offers their expert advice for a significant amount of money. We don't have that, and we're actively trying to stay away from that. We're trying to keep this at the research level where basically we're developing things that are informative, but exactly what kind of measures you take, it's up to you um, and and your advisor. Some people are uh, basically, they're signed up for uh, for Pete's consulting service. Some people are using you. Some people are using the practitioners in Australia. There are all kinds of practitioners around the world. Whoever you're working with, keep working with them. Um, and, you know, just use the results as best as you see fit. But we're not providing uh, follow-up services, consulting, dietary, chelation, <laughs> drugs, etc. Please don't email us with those requests
0: because I will deny them. I might e- email you about that. just kidding okay let's let's try (laughs) try. (laughs) let's move on okay uh which lactate is a key driver of diabetes obesity i like the reductive stress one um what you want to talk about lactic acid it's up to you. I
1: mean, like, the, which one is that? Uh, my screen is really blurry after you changed oh. the, I don't know if you changed the bandwidth or what. I, I, so I see you pointing at articles, but I can't
0: read yeah, that. Yeah, you know, it might be, I changed the resolution of my screen to make it bigger. So it, that might be it. So lactate is a key driver. Let's so the start.
1: first one, yeah, yeah.
0: So that's actually, to me, it was um, I knew it was a
1: contributing factor. Uh, but the fact that basically something that accumulates inside of the cell and it's not even diagnosable on blood tests that's the other thing so 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 they looked at the peripheral adipose tissue of people with diabetes and they basically noticed that that uh, those adipose tissue cells accumulated a tremendous amount of lactate while you know the the lactate in the serum was actually on the low side um and they also noticed that after the uh, lactate inside of the cell, the intracellular one, reached a certain threshold, then basically the cell started releasing all kinds of inflammatory cytokines, um, mostly the interleukins, right? But also things like uh, TNF alpha, um, nuclear factor kappa B. Um, uh, I think they also started uh, activating the phospholipase A enzyme. Um, which basically synthesizes arachidonic acid from linoleic acid, so which means you're activating potentially activating the prostaglandin cascade. All in all, the results were that basically, um, and and they acknowledge in the article that 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 for, uh, even mainstream medicine now thinks that endotoxin is a factor in insulin resistance. But they're saying you cannot explain everything. How come and what what is the actual mechanism through which endotoxin works? Because if you give animals endotoxin, but you block the endotoxin receptor, inflammation still rises. So something's going on. Uh, endotoxin is doing something indirectly that still triggers the inflammatory cascade. And now they think this something is lactate. Because endotoxin, I mean, whether it's endotoxin or something else, but it uh, whatever has an anti-metabolic effect blocks the oxidation of glucose. Whatever leads to the accumulation of lactate ultimately results in increased peripheral inflammatory synthesis of inflammatory uh, cytokines. Those get dumped into the bloodstream, and that basically triggers systemic insulin resistance uh, and and worsening diabetes. Right. And then they also say in the study, I don't have the quote here, that that is, has already been proven to be uh, the primary factor of obesity in the absence of extreme caloric excess. Um, They don't talk about hypothyroidism, but, uh, you know, it's not surprising. uh, And actually, there are studies published on that, that most of these inflammatory cytokines are damaging to the thyroid, or at the very least, inhibit the conversion of T4 into T3, um, or increase the deactivation of T3 into T2 and T1, and generally have an anti-thyroid, anti-metabolic effect. Um, so a humble metabolite, um, uh, what most people to this day think of just as a waste product, just like carbon dioxide. So yes, it turns out to be just as important as carbon dioxide, but in the exact opposite direction. The evil twin of carbon dioxide turns out to be lactate. And the since we now know that it plays a, a really important role in cancer as a cause, and not just as an effect, right? Um, now, when we have diabetes, the combination of these two conditions that accounts for more than sixty percent of the of the disease, chronic disease burden worldwide. So um, oh, good, caused by just one thing, lactate.
0: So an interference in respiration causes an increase in lactic acid, that causes an increase in the inflammatory cytokines. Those get into the blood, they activate the stress systems to liberate. Uh, Uh, fatty acids causing the randall effect which causes the insulin resistance causing the problem to get even worse Well, especially exactly. the the poof the So they all suppress
1: directly the thyroid, right? They the, the, the directly suppress the thyroid. Some of them are toxic to the pancreatic beta cells mm-hmm. as well, right? So you really you unleash this cascade. I mean, uh, this it's not a it's not a surprise that inflammation is bad for the body. Uh, um, if you uh, go to like even JAMA, they have these articles saying that yet another study confirms that low-grade chronic inflammation is a has a causative role in let's say Alzheimer's disease or cancer or diabetes, etc. But what wasn't known up until uh, today, this is just one study they'll have to replicate it, is that what exactly happens, what triggers this systemic inflammatory uh, response, right? And the only thing that was known medically so far was endotoxin. Yes, it's uh, most people who die in the hospital die of sepsis. And in the vast majority of them, it, it is an endotoxin-driven process, right? But then this study talks about it. It says it cannot explain everything because even when we block the endotoxin receptor, of course, there are following the reductionist uh, paradigm that you know one one component one receptor right they're saying the inflammatory cascade still happens albeit diminished what is what is going on my guess is that endotoxin works through many different uh, uh, mechanisms one of which is actually inhibiting uh, several enzymes in the krebs cycle I- including pyruvate dehydrogenase and i think at least complex two of the electron transport chain um so so that's endotoxin doing it directly. Any of these inhibitions of so even one of those enzymes will lead to accumulation of electrons and ultimately a reductive stress with, with rise of intracellular lactate. Um, and basically, um, so they're saying that if you actually, if you look at people who have high lactic acid in the blood, lactate actually, um, <clears throat> um, this is actually this may actually be the less, less bad situation. It's when the lactate cannot be exported outside of the cell is when things really, uh, you know, uh, all hell breaks loose, because that's when the cell starts producing these inflammatory cytokines. And I think it's just a sign, it's the cell signaling, maybe to the immune system, saying, hey, look, I'm deranged, come and kill me, get rid of me, right? <laughs> uh, or like, I need help, I need more resources, I need more, or need more glucose, whatever that is. But basically, the, this study blocked the so-called lactate transporter, which takes lactate outside of the cell. So when they block the lactate transporter, Lactate build up inside of the cell, and that's when all hell broke loose. Now, lactate outside of the cell, in the blood, uh, in the in the in the in the blood it's also nothing to laugh about. But at least you have a method of disposing of it partially through the core cycle in the liver. Right? Very energetically expensive, very inefficient, but still, it can it can it can be used for energy. But if it builds up to a certain level in the inside of the cell, uh, it basically causes a pseudo hypoxic state. Um, and essentially that cell gets that's deranged. Uh, and if sufficient number of them get together, uh, very easily you can jump from diabetes to cancer. And I think we talked several times that cancer can be looked at as extreme form of diabetes. Uh, basically, the cells have uh, lost their hope of oxidizing glucose. At least that's they're not getting any glucose from the environment. All they're getting is free fatty acids. So that's what they do, suppress fully the glucose oxidation. And over time, some of them even dismantle like the mitochondrial uh, apparatus for for even uh, processing glucose. Um, Was it uh, it Warburg or St. Georgie Georgie who said that? Oh, yeah. Who said that basically like the cancer cell, if if you don't allow it to produce the energy that it needs to maintain its structure, then it's going to adapt to that and only maintain the structure for which there is sufficient energy. And on a primitive uh, metabolism like glycolysis, uh basically the cell turn re- back to its uh, primitive precursor who is only capable of devouring everything around itself and growing
0: yeah so t- i think that leads perfectly into this one you you mentioned it having to do with the transfer of electrons but so in my brain it's like going one level deeper for reductive stress like talking about lactate on top of those things and so but all So all
1: lactate of- is a reductant um, and and basically, uh, even though the study doesn't talk about all the reductants, it talks about the ones that Pete has mentioned several times, especially in, in a <clears throat> several articles in regards to cancer. Uh, cancer cells have an abundance of these reduced sulfhydryl groups, also known as thiols, uh, NAC and acetylcysteine, um, reduced glutathione, uh, regular cysteine, methionine. All of these are basically sulfhydryl containing. Um, uh, Uh, elements that act as, they call them antioxidants, but really reductants, right? Um, And the cancer cell, that's what the cancer cell uses to protect itself from both the immune system and from the reactive oxygen species, which the organism sometimes generates in order to fight, uh, to basically get rid of the cancer cell. Uh, And above all, the more reduced the state is, the more resistant it is to apoptosis, because reduction means the cell is in an intracellularly basic state. And in order for apoptosis to occur, it needs to become more acidified. Um, so the accumulation of carbon dioxide is actually the primary signal. In other words, rising ratio of carbon dioxide to lactate is the, is the cardinal uh, signal for the cell that is allowed to, to uh, commit apoptosis. Otherwise, it, it, it remains like in the zombie state, still consuming resources, still growing, uh, still basically spurring defective copies of itself. Uh, it basically, that's what cancer is. Uh, but what they found is that the organism apparently uh, recognizes that these tiles are extremely dangerous and has developed a mechanism uh, to dispose of them. What's that mechanism? Well, there's a special protein, which if the tiles accumulate to a certain, to a certain level, uh, the organism starts producing that protein, and that protein tells the mitochondria to ramp up its, its basically its respiratory rate. And that's how they basically take these sulfhydro groups and convert them to the oxidized version, which is the disulfide groups. Um, So that's the oxidized glutathione, GSSG, and the the reduced one is the GSH. Um, And basically, the GSH to the GSSG is one of the most widely used redox indicators, right? NAD to the NADH is is another one. Um, Pyruvate to lactate is another one. Uh, Acetoacetate to beta-hydroxybutyrate is another one, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what's the other important thing? So they also found out that the, uh, the amount of disulfide groups, in other words, the amount of oxidized um, sulfhydryl groups, is actually crucial uh, for production, first of all, of proper protein folding. In other words, the, the, higher, the higher the ratio of the reduced to the oxidized uh, groups, in other words, the higher the ratio of the thiols to the disulfide groups, the more deranged the protein folding mechanism became. So in other words, you could, in theory, get yourself in a prion disease simply by being in an extreme reductive state. At least that's how I read it, and that's, that's what they say in the study. Uh, just as importantly, apparently, several crucial proteins, uh, such as insulin, their synthesis depends on the uh, provision of sufficient amount of disulfide groups. If they're sulfhydryl, you cannot synthesize insulin. You need to oxidize those groups, right? So, suddenly we see that the metabolic rate and the ability to oxidize, to respire properly, to actually have a proper mitochondrial metabolism, also known as oxidative phosphorylation, is crucial not just for producing energy, but directly for maintaining the structure of the organism, right? The protein folding, uh, that's what we are, mostly composed of protein, and also, uh, basically, for uh, disposing of things that the organism thinks of as harmful, um, in that post, I, I basically linked to another study which I posted on a forum maybe about three or four years ago that basically the organism can get rid of endocrine disruptors by destroying them through oxidative metabolism. Uh, but uh, unlike here, where basically we have evolved a mechanism to detect to detect high levels of cell hydro groups and get rid of them, uh, the endocrine disruptors such as the bisphenol A are synthetic and we don't have uh, such an evolved mechanism, so basically, if you suspect there's, there's a buildup of these endocrine disruptors, right? The best way to get rid of them is to keep metabolism high, which kind of reminds me of the service we just discussed the hair and nail Because for most of these people that have emailed Peter, said, Hey, I have toxicity with X. His response is keeping the metabolic rate high, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and et cetera, et cetera, is usually helpful, right? Uh, but it's it's almost always present. And, I, you know, some people are like, oh, my God, this guy, his metabolic rate, that's all he knows, that's all he repeats. Yeah, but looking at these studies coming, one by, coming out one by one, demonstrating that it's such a fundamental property of the organism of maintaining both the vitality and the structure of the organism. Without that,
0: nothing really works. I'm glad you brought that up. I, that was actually a question. I know he's talked about it before, but I, it was a question I wrote down for the next time he's on because uh, – yeah. Like, didn't he mention the reduced version of like mercury is way more harmful than the, the oxidized version or something. And yep. if you had yep. the oxidized version, it just would do nothing, basically. And so that that completely, like you said, the chelation stuff is extremely dangerous and it's so prevalent in the health sphere. And so having a different spin on it, that's not going to hurt the person is, I think, pretty valuable.
1: And I think the same thing for iron. I think the fairest form of iron is the reduced version. And he said several times that's much more dangerous, but that's what's being put in the as, as a fortifier in most of the foods. Wait, wait. I don't have to give um, blood
0: 45 times to get rid of the iron? <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep, keep going. I interrupted you with this. Silly joke. No, no, you didn't. You
1: didn't. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, it's a great article. It, it, well, actually, the first one, that first of all, that I actually see recognizing re- quote-unquote reductive stress because you talk to any doctor, there always their worry is, or any practitioner, or any guru, or dietitian, that the worry always is, oh, oxidative stress. Let me pump you full of antioxidants because <laughs> that's, the, that's the problem. It's actually, it looks like it's reductive stress that's causing the oxidative stress. Remember that post that I had maybe last year that said they basically showed that it's the interference of, uh, of the electron flow through the electron transport chain complex, that basically leads to this buildup of electrons and allows them to basically combine with the molecular oxygen and create the superoxide anion or the hydroxyl groups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And basically, uh, so it's like basically when m- mitochondrial metabolism is not working properly, that's when you get reductive, uh, sorry, oxidative stress. Well, uh, when you have a buildup of these reductive, uh, the hydro groups, they themselves are suppressive of many enzymes. So for example... Uh, the ability of pyruvate to get into, basically, to get into the Krebs cycle, to get metabolized, right? That's the. Fun- right? Um, and it has to enter the Krebs cycle. Well, the function of pyruvate dehydrogenase is driven, it's actually cardinally determined by the redox state. Um, usually measured by NAD to the NADH, but it's really an indication. So if you have excessive thiol groups, and, and, and in other words, if the ratio of the thiol to the disulfide is high, the organism will be in a reductive state. In a reductive state, pyruvate dehydrogenase will not work. So again, electrons will build up, right? And if it happens at the pyruvate dehydrogenase level, basically pyruvate will become the oxidant and will generate lactate. And now we're back to lactate, which was the previous article, right? Causing diabetes, inflammation, obesity, cancer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if that blockage uh, happens at one of the Krebs cycle enzymes or one of the electron transport chain steps, uh, you basically you have a buildup of electrons there. They start to leak, right? Start to generate all of these reactive oxygen species, and now I have oxidative stress. Oxidative stress, however, <laughs> it it itself has an inhibitory effect. On many of the metabolic enzymes, so then it will read, it will prevent the oxidation of the thiol groups to the disulfide. So oxidative stress will then lead to more reductive stress, which will then lead to more oxidative stress, and on and on it goes, until the block is somehow removed. Um, and you know, you either take directly an, an oxidizing agent like a quinone, right? Or you take more thyroid, or you basically, you know, take steps to remove any of the blockages uh, that are one or more of the steps. Uh, you may be missing a cofactor. Pyridoxal is magnesium, and vitamin B1 as cofactors, right? You can try several things, but but usually, usually, it's it's the decline of the metabolic rate that's the problem, and usually driven by uh, insufficient production of the active
0: uh, hormone thyroid hormone T3. Well said. L- last question about this: Aren't the, the sulfhydrols are like in the the surface of the cell or something? Ray, Ray was always talking about them being in some specific place, but I can't remember what he's talking about.
1: Yeah, they're sticking out of the cell. Oh, okay. Uh, well, well, it, it depends. I mean, basically, like uh, if it's, um, I have to see. I think the GSH, the glutathione, is a cytosol. Is inside of the cytosol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some, some of the amino acids that are the cell uses, uh, such as cysteine and methionine. Until the way their position is with their sulf hydro groups basically pointing outwards.
0: Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Very interesting. We're really well said. I think you wrapped up the whole thing. We could just stop now. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. <laughs> okay. See you guys later. <laughs> okay, that was really good. Okay, let's do a little break here. Um, so we talked about Idea Labs, and we will talk about that again. Yeah, I do coaching on patreoncom slash I sincerely apologize to everybody that's been emailing me. I'm like six days behind on my email. It's really been outrageous uh, recently, but uh, I appreciate it. Um, and then subscribe to t.me slash Danny to follow this show or Danny And I did you hear that Telegram was censoring channels? I read a little bit um, that really yeah. worried me. So. Probably days <laughs> are probably numbered. You not t- I warn you? I never thought it was like bulletproof or anything, but I was just, it just sucks because it's a nice platform. There's there just
1: no way a, a centrally controlled service will ever be safe. Uh, it can be compromised, you know, no basically. It, it, it doesn't matter. Where, well, unless it's hosted in Russia or North Korea or, <laughs> I don't know, one of the non-free countries. Um you know, uh, it's, it's hosted, I think, in Dubai, right? Well, and Microsoft, I think, bought a stake in it. Well, so these two things should take enough.
0: I don't know if this is true or not, but somebody posted something saying the dude that owns it is part of the WEF. So I don't know if that's true or not either.
1: I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's just, in general, centralized service, uh, it's, 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 it's very uh, enticing because it's usually well run, right? It provides good service. But as soon as basically enough people use it, uh, you know, whoever owns it starts to monetize it and eventually gets into the hands of the people who are interested, not so much in money, but in, you know, sensory monitoring, uh, you know, discovering dissidents. Uh, these dissidents suddenly start having heart attacks uh, and other things like that. You know, look, the, did they find out why why Montagnier died?
0: Uh,
1: I just heard I about that f-
0: fairly recently. I thought he had, I thought he had already died. And so I was like, oh, I, I didn't know. No, no, he died like yesterday. Okay, I didn't. I was so confused by that. No, I don't know why he died. Did they say?
1: Okay, no, they didn't. They oh. just said basically died in hospital, surrounded by his loved ones. So I, I'm assuming it's not something that's uh, that was that was a uh, you know unexpected or or sudden, right? Um, so I'll be curious, but they're not saying anything about. Look, if he was COVID, <laughs> and since he was unvaccinated, you'll yeah. be all over the news. You're I
0: guarantee you. Totally right. Yeah, uh,
1: it's got to be something else.
0: What didn't he have a? Call? And, uh, Go, oh, go mm. on. Didn't he have what? Didn't he have a quote? It was like, "Do not take this vaccine, like no matter yeah. what you do." Also, by the way, if you're unvaccinated in 2022, like how amazing! <laughs> like you've survived the biggest psychological operation in human history. I whenever anybody tells me that i'm completely blown away that they've done that i think it's uh...
1: yeah they they turned you against your closest one or closest people if you have any because many people sadly enough don't even have any close people anymore right uh they kicked you out of a job to prevent you from going to your favorite bar or restaurant and whatnot uh, in some countries they they prevent you from going even into the food store mm-hmm. they locked you up in a very discriminatory Manner prohibited left and right by every constitution of every civilized country on this planet, and finally in some countries they even said you will be mandatorily vaccinated. Right? Um, again, in violation of 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 the constitution, and then corrupt courts read the constitution and said no, nah, it doesn't say you cannot do that.
0: Wow. The, the, well, I, for, I forgot if it was india or africa but there was uh footage of like the military just going into like these humble towns and just forcing the vaccine like people screen it was really off-putting video like disturbing
1: but, i mean uh, you, you saw the videos from china they were basically like boarding people oh, they were yeah. shutting um with like uh what's that instrument where you basically like melting weld- metal welding uh, thing down yeah yeah, welding yeah, the yeah, welding, yeah. <laughs> so they were welding welding people into their homes oh. Um, they don't they don't get around. So I don't know. I mean, I, th- that's what I'm saying. It's still confusing. I don't know why China would do that uh, unless China – so either China is on board with the whole WEF, and it's just basically – for them, it's also an opportunity to – because they're already firmly in control of their people. But there are some areas where, like, the Uyghurs or, like, the southwest China um, – actually, the southeast is also close to – the one close to Vietnam – uh, and the the Vietnamese and the Chinese hate each other. Not many people know about that. Actually, China and Vietnam fought a war between each other during communism. Both of them being communist countries, um, it's called the Sino-Vietnamese War. I think it happened in the um, early 80s. So to this day, they hate each other. Uh, there's there's always they're always like a, a, you know small time riot, I wouldn't say small time, but they're always instability, political instabilities in the southeast provinces that are that are closer to Vietnam. Anyways. The, the Chinese are either using this as an opportunity to uh, to uh, install an even more uh, uh, like a stronger regime, more fully in control of its people, um, or uh, they know something about this fires that we don't. But given that it's already been around the world, we saw what it can do. Right? Um, I would suspect that it's more about the, it's more likely the former. I don't think China is the the enemy that we've been trying that they're trying to convince us it is. Um, most of the the biggest investors in China are basically uh, WEF members. Uh, China also heavily invests together with these people in several other countries. So I'm starting to think it's 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 hard to go to like all-out war with your business partner that you share so many business ventures with. It's more like you saw what they did. You want to implement you know their draconian measures, um, you know, and and you know that's what they really they're basically trying to convert. The quote-unquote free societies into much more controlled versions, where uh, things like freedom of speech, consent, right, uh, freedom of movement, uh, ability to like spend the, your money anonymously, and on things that you want, all of these will be things of things of the past. Uh, and they already are largely in China. Uh, the only I think the only group that's that's uh, still kind of outside of that is the rural portion, uh, but it's getting heavily industrialized. So I would say within a uh, 10 to 20 years. China will basically be the full implementation of uh, Brave New World. Was it Huxley's?
0: Yeah, uh, Huxley. yeah. Great yeah. stuff. I thought I thought it was a I th- heard a cat or something screaming, but I think it's my chair. <laughs> cat? Okay. I thought it was like a. Uh, Did you
1: just say you were in a farm or something? Yeah, or like a, but there are animals uh, are
0: you... everywhere here. By the way, we're starting uh, building the chicken coop tomorrow, and I am ecstatic. I'm so excited. And by the way, you know a huge problem with chicken coops is that the chickens destroy the land. And so, people that have been doing this for a while will probably laugh at this, but it like there are people like progressive farmers that make a compost out of the chicken run, and so they'll they'll make it a gigantic compost, and they'll throw basically everything in there, and the chickens will do the work for you. They'll turn over the compost and and they'll feed on it too. It's it's like yeah, because they dig and they're looking for worms inside. Yeah, yeah, and then the but the bacteria and all the the growing from the compost will feed them, and of course you could supplement that with oats and. Or Massaferina or something, but I I that's like a that's a problem. The landlord and I were like talking about frequently of how to avoid that, and I had no idea that people compost in the actual chicken coop. So
1: I wouldn't uh, feed them grain. Um, you know, one of the cheapest things you can do if you can find powdered gelatin, uh, you, you mix it with like ca- some kind of a cheap calcium form, like calcium carbonate. Right, you give them lots of calcium to form the the eggshell. Uh, and you basically like mix that and add some um uh, I don't know. Milk would be ideal, but milk is is not cheap, right? And you're trying to keep the milk to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically some kind of a mixture of like uh you know, water, hot water and maybe some fat, like a butter, just to make like a like a like a stew almost like, and you and you throw throw that to them on the ground, they'll eat it up. Uh, I've already tested it several times. They they like that stuff. It's mostly because of the fat. They smell the fat and they like that. And they will gobble up anything that that has that fat attached to it, but the calcium and the gelatin uh, really are, are really helpful to the chickens. They keep them healthy, uh, they keep the eggs healthy, and for some reason, increasing gelatin intake in chickens makes them actually produce eggs more often. So I don't know if you're if you want like higher egg output, but that's one way to get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, of course. But so so I didn't think of that. Like so, gelatin hydrolysate and then mixed with butter doesn't have to be hydrolysis. The, uh-huh. the cheapest gelatin powder you can find, like uh-huh. the Knox
1: gelatin in yeah, the States. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you take that, basically, and um, all you need is, I don't know, 10 grams of that mixture. Uh, l- 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 let's say half a cup per chicken per day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so think how much, think how many chickens you have. And basically, if you make a bucket, should be enough to feed, I don't know, up to 50 chickens, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think we're just going to have in, in over several days. I think we're just going to have yeah. four of them. So you
1: mix... Say
0: it again? We're just going to have like four or so. Oh, so four? Not many,
1: yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, if you make a bucket, it's going to last a month. <laughs> that, that's and good. also, you don't have to feed them every day. I mean, basically, um, the studies that I've seen, they're saying that uh, this mix works. You can also add, uh you can buy some polycosinol as powder, <laughs> add that in. <laughs> Apparently, that also has very good effect on the chickens, both on the egg output, on the quality of meat, and also the the, fatty, the fat composition of the meat. So, if you ever end up eating the chickens... You know, it will basically be, uh, you know, similar to the fat that, that you're given to eat. So, but if you already mix the gelatin with some beef tallow or any kind of uh, other good fat, maybe butter will be the cheapest. You know, you get some butter, uh, you mix with hot water, basically, you make that paste with the gelatin. Don't make it too liquidy like a soup, right? Uh, but basically, make it a... Um, uh, mix it crumb, with a hot water, yes. stir it, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and as it starts to become gelatinized, yeah. to become like a jello, but before, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then dump the butter and stir, mm-hmm. right, and then basically, you know, after that, when it basically when it cools off and forms the the cubes, you can even cut it up and basically throw it in the chicken. It'll be like semi hard, and it'll be even easier to uh, handle.
0: We're gonna put this uh, to so the to the test georgie yeah, <laughs> we're gonna well, do it. Uh, and uh, the other thing the uh, strong sisters they would occasionally feed their chickens liver and i mean that's e- super yeah, easy because yeah. we, we talked about that yeah, yeah so much refuse from the cutting liver whenever i make it so i have um our, our stream is at zero kilobytes per second that's great we'll just keep going uh, So the
1: cheapest stuff you can buy if there's like a local butcher or anything any kind of organ meats chickens would eat would love um, did we talk about, I think we talked with the strong sisters, but chickens are actually now officially part of the same family as the dinosaurs. Uh, and they're not herbivorous. <laughs> I don't know whoever s- spread that, that, uh, rumor. The chickens are basically, and they're not even omnivorous. I mean, they'll eat whatever they find, but in general, they're actually very, very heavily carnivorous. So if you give them a choice between grain and worms, they'll go for the worms. Give them a choice between, I don't know, uh, what else chicken's like. Uh, any, any Anytime you give them a choice between animal protein and plant protein, they will go for the animal protein. So chickens are
0: apparently smarter than most doctors I know. That's, that's good to know. I The stream is like completely down. I have no idea what's going on. We still have a, re, a normal uh, local recording, so we'll just have to go with it. That's This has never happened before. Uh, anyways. Um.
1: You, your voice is, is becoming really coarse. All right, and And now it's skipping.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make any sense because I'm on an internet connection by myself. Uh, yeah, it's, it goes like 800 KB then to zero, but you can, you can still hear me now. Uh, yeah, but your voice
1: suddenly went down in quality. Like, and now the vi- the video is being kind of rough over the last uh, 15, 20 minutes, but the voice was okay. And now, and now the voice is started to skip, man, this is, that's so weird. Nothing has changed from the last time. And now, like the picture of you has completely become like a uh, like a um, I don't know uh, it, it's like somebody spread you spread your face on a wall so you're basically all over the screen.
0: Should I uh, pause, turn on my uh, VPN, and then call you back? This this is like unprecedented. Why don't I turn on the intro and we'll tr- and I'll call you back or something? And we're back. Okay, uh, so we don't have an audience anymore. We're just uh, let's do like two or more articles and we'll just call it a day because we I, I thought all the content. So far, it was very good. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, apologize. We've only covered two of them, man. Yeah. But that, the two, you wrapped up the whole package. And so that was very good. And we've been talking about other stuff. Okay. So let's, um, how about, well, what, wh- which of these do you have an affinity for? Oh, um, sorry.
1: not a male hormone. I think that was a pretty good one because, again, it's one of the first times I'm seeing, just like the article on reductive stress, one of the first times I'm seeing an actual doctor and a researcher saying uh, we've been wrong, we need to change our attitudes. Um, He didn't talk about estrogen, right, Uh, but he did talk about testosterone. And in this case, they basically found out that testosterone is strongly inversely correlated with cardiovascular disease in women. Um, And he's saying basically their hypothesis is that one of the risk factors for developing cardiovascular disease in menopausal women is the drastic decline in androgens uh, that that they're seeing with advancing age. And since in women, most of the testosterone after menopause is synthesized from DHEA, basically by... By association, those findings apply to DH as well, but they actually did test DHEA as well, and it was even more strongly adversely correlated with cardiovascular disease. So anyways, his direct quote is that, you know, we've been wrong, and we need to stop thinking of testosterone in terms of being a male hormone. Uh, it's equally important for both men and women. Oh, and the other important thing is, now that you're scrolling and reminding me, estrogen was actually not correlated <laughs> Uh, with risk of cardiovascular disease, which directly contradicts probably at least 10,000 <laughs> studies published in <laughs> JAMA, New England it's Journal cons- of Medicine, it's and the all consensus. the other propaganda it's the con- machines.
0: <laughs> it's the consensus, though, Georgie, that heterogeneity is good for the heart.
1: I know. Yeah, I know the consensus. <laughs> and also, I don't, uh, who the hell am I? I'm just you know an online store <laughs> owner. Like, <laughs> how dare I... I Criticize. And by the way, it's probably racist and misogynist that I'm even bringing up to (laughs)
0: stop. Definitely.
1: Right. Uh, But anyways, the the study found that (laughs) that, uh, low estrogen was not, I mean, estrogen itself was not a factor, a protective factor um, in cardiovascular disease in women. And, you know, there's the quote that says, we need to stop thinking about testosterone as a male hormone that is bad for women. Um, And I don't know that that there's necessarily thinking that it's bad for women, but there's definitely thinking among doctors that it is a male hormone. And in general, that, that, you know, things that are androgenic are really bad for women. Uh, We know the infamous, the other infamous theory that uh, dihydrotestosterone causes polycystic ovarian syndrome. But if you look at the actual studies, they actually, now they've expanded their blame game. It's not just DHT, DHEA, testosterone, androstenedione. Uh, even progesterone is actually now being being blamed, but guess what? The studies that show um, progestin-driven uh, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, in every single time is with a synthetic progestin, and as we've discussed several times, many of those are actually estrogen agonists. They're actually estrogenic, um, and they have other, uh, you know, um, Unpleasant effects as well. Some of them are um, uh, activators of the uh, mineralocorticoid receptor, and that's a very well-known pathway to polycystic ovarian syndrome. One of the uh, one of the reasons why things like spironolactone was uh, was it paradoxically or mysteriously found to actually reverse um, this disorder in women, but of course it will never be approved because it's out of patent, <laughs> and big pharma cannot make money on it. Uh, so, anyways, that's. I thought it was a, a, it was a good thing to see that. Uh, even hardcore doctors in their mid 60s, I think, is this guy, um, are capable of learning something new and changing their attitude after their entire career they've been taught and practiced that way that testosterone is a male hormone and conversely, estrogen is a female hormone. Now I haven't seen that many studies that are that are calling for the opposite. We need to stop thinking of estrogen as a female hormone. So far, the only such doctor is Doctor Pete, um, but you know, I still have my hopes. Um, unless you get wiped out by worldwide nuclear war. Before
0: that. <laughs> Possi- that's a possibility. The, 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 so yeah. I see this as good, but I also see it as a possibility, a possibility for HRT uh, wacky doctors to prescribe uh, lots of testosterone to women, which I've seen multiple times. So it is a little bit uh, worrying right. because I, I think that's become a re- not uh, a trend that I've seen more of recently.
1: Well, and they actually they have precedent to base it on. Back in the 40s and 50s, when testosterone was first isolated, it was used in high dosages to actually cure terminal breast cancer in women, um, the, the one that's estrogen receptor positive. And subsequently, because they also found that DHT works even better, but it's much more androgenic. A lot of women were growing beards. Their husbands were not thrilled. Um, then they basically decided to synthesize the synthetic derivative and that's how proviron and rostanolone came about they're, they're uh, respectively 2 alpha dht and 1 uh, 2 alpha methyl dht and 1 alpha methyl dht but anyways the there's a lot of precedent in giving even high doses of androgens to women um, and you know as soon as big pharma or somebody else sees profit in that They will immediately say, oh yes, we used to do that. It used to work really well. And now that we are trying to forget the results of the Women's Health Initiative study, uh, namely that estrogen is bad, we're going to say, oh testosterone is good for women. And guess what? Testosterone can convert into estrogen. Maybe we can kill two birds with one stone and just pump women full of testosterone and hope we get the best of both worlds. And guess what? If they get any benefit out of it, they're not going to ascribe it to testosterone. They'll say it's it's estrogen because yes. it aromatizes mm-hmm. into it, right? Uh, if remember the prostate cancer studies that were injected testosterone directly into the prostates, terminal people, mm-hmm. and they recovered. Mm-hmm. The 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 people behind those studies had the nerve to say, well, I don't know the nerve, or maybe like a very shrewd way of protecting their career. Uh, they basically, in both of those case studies, they said. Um, uh, we still believe in the androgen hypothesis of prostate cancer. The likely benefit of testosterone in these patients is through its conversion into estrogen. Um, anyway, so I think you're right. They'll find a way to abuse it, and I suspect they'll be able to somehow somehow wrap estrogen in there and you know, not ascribe benefit to testosterone, but say it's the estrogen, and we'll just give a precursor, right?
0: Yeah, that's a uh, good good thing overall. I think Constance R. Martin and uh, I think it's a her in her endocrine physiology book basically says that uh, testosterone is, or, I'm sorry, no, the estrogen is not a female hormone. <laughs> yeah, estrogen is not does. a female hormone. I, I, yeah, I'd have to find the reference in my Evernote, but, um, but they just like little bits of that being left behind and informing the way Ray thinks. But pe- if you say that, you know, people will think you're crazy. Um okay, let's pick one more article. I know it's, I know it's pretty late for you. Let's uh it's a badge of honor. If the average George Small on the street thinks
1: you're crazy, it's a badge <laughs> of honor, I'd say.
0: That's the other thing I was gonna say. Uh if somebody kind of comes at you online these days or something, how much like of a non-threat is it if you know they're double or triple vaccinated? Like if a health person comes at you and they're triple vaccinated? What what is there really to discuss with that person? It's like uh <laughs> it's really there's nothing, nothing I actually get very sad I'm like well
1: it's projection it's this you, you're I usually tell them you're suffering from existential anger because you made like the biggest mistake of your life and now you have to blame somebody for it and since your doctor will probably cut off your head if you try to yell at your doctor what do you do you just go and yell at random people online
0: yeah yeah and, and I know there are good people that are just trying to do good that got this vaccine but um yeah it is what it is I guess okay um Okay, let's pick one more. Uh, do you? Want, we can talk about vitamin D. We can talk about serotonin. Uh, we can talk about the. The screen got blurred oh, again. Okay. Or, or like,
1: can you can you like increase it? Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Blocking serotonin leukemia. Vitamin D effective. Well, I think the vitamin D effective in humans for preventing autoimmunities because I I, can, I think I emailed that one right. Maybe. Uh, this is actually the the first double-blind randomized possible controlled trial in humans. Uh, with vitamin D, and by the way, also with Mm omega-3. And guess what happened? Omega-3 was useless. More (laughs) importantly, when vitamin D was was co-administered with omega-3, omega-3 blocked the beneficial effects of vitamin D. Um, Vitamin D by itself decreased the autoimmune disease rate by 15%. I'm sorry, by 22%. Um, But they administered a puny dosage i think it was like 2000 international units daily mm. you don't do that i mean basically uh, if these people most of these people that are that they that they took uh, had basically pretty low levels of vitamin d so so if you want to bring them into to the middle of the normal range i think the typical procedure is 50000 units once weekly right uh, that comes down to, what, slightly over 7,000 units per day. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this was a deliberately handicapped study. I think it was, and it still got <laughs> a pretty surprisingly good result. So if 2,000 units can decrease the autoimmune disease rate by 22%, simplistically, I would venture a guess that a dose of about 8,000 or like, let's say 10,000, would probably reduced that, that risk to zero.
0: Great stuff. Uh, unless you really want to talk about another one, um, but I'm—we've been for streaming for about an hour and a half. Uh, so, actually, yeah, let's do one more. A, 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 actually, let's just end it. Here. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just, okay, yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. <laughs> there you okay. Go. Um, okay, guys. Sorry for the technical issues. I have literally no clue what went wrong. There's nothing different about this setup versus last week, and so it must have been a, a, a throttling thing or something. And so my VPN doesn't work right now, so I don't know what to do about it. So uh, we'll, we'll try to fix that for next time. And thank goodness uh, this wasn't like a Ray thing because that, that'd be embarrassing. Um, but okay, Georgie, uh, wha, where can everybody find your work on the internet? Uh, well, you already loaded some of the... Well, actually,
1: you didn't load some of the articles. So, <laughs> well, you did. The blog, right? HeyDude.me. That's the blog. <laughs> I, and that, that feeds into Twitter. Twitter.com slash right? Uh-huh. And then I also post on the forum. Uh, the, the people who've been visiting the forum, they already know me. They're also hated, right? So uh, uh, that's I, that's pretty much all, all the places where I, where I post uh, the articles and the blog posts. So hate it.
0: Um, hate it I, dot- you know, I also. F- f- Sorry, go ahead. What were you saying about hated? I, I was gonna hate, hate it? I was going to hate me for the website, uh, twitter.com slash hate it. And you post on the Ray Peep right. forum and, and, and com Under the LS is hated. Yeah, and idealabsdc.com is the is the company that boutique supplement
1: company, as you call it. Uh, and now we're basically like synthesizing some other interesting chemicals. But anyways, that's the website. Um, and also the service, the nail health, the nail and hair analysis for minerals is there listed there on the idealabsdc.com website. And when we're ready with the steroid analysis, I'll announce it on the forum, my blog, and Twitter, and it will also be available uh, to buy from that from that same website as well. Um, so that's, that's pretty much it about me.
0: Awesome. Uh, t.me slash Danny Rowdy, uh, patreon.com slash Danny Rowdy. Uh, and guys, uh, sorry for the problems. We'll, we'll, we'll overcome them. And Georgie, thank you so much. Appreciate you bearing with me and guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon and take care. Peace out.